Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their story and adversity that each one of us experienced to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. This is your host, Dr. Leland from Level Up. Today, I have a very special guest. I know my intro is always very special because every single person that I talk to, they have their own unique stories, right? And we are trying to add value to our community, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. And I wanted to just say thank you to all 31 nations. We just added Spain and South Korea last week. So thank you for listening to us. And today we're hoping we can have another added value conversations for you guys. I have a guest. Her name is Tatiana Chamorro. Tatiana, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, hello. First of all, thank you for having me. I am Tatiana. I am a native from Nicaragua, grew up in Nicaragua, um, and started my business in 2020. Uh, But before starting my business, I actually came to the United States with my husband for him to pursue his master's degree. And it took us about seven years until then we started our business and continue our careers from there. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I would say go back 10 years. Walk me through your experience 10 years till today. That is such a great day to go back to. Um, My son is 10 years old. So 10 years ago, I was having uh, my first son. Um, I had just gotten married. I had not yet completed my undergrad. So I was 20 years old. My husband and I were in in the start of all of these different decisions that we made to get to where we are today. And we didn't know what that was going to look like, right? So I'm in Nicaragua 20 years ago. I'm sitting down. Uh, My husband's working for an IT company as general manager. He had a a good job. And we knew that Nicaragua, even though it's in our hearts and we love, the economic stability there was not as present as we wanted it to be. So... That's where our family was. That's where our siblings were. Everyone that we loved was there. And I remember sitting down with my mom and she said, you know, your husband, Carlos, he should pursue his his master's. I think he needs to do his master's. And that was the first kind of click where we started having that conversation. And to be honest with you, in that moment, it didn't feel possible because we had a two-year-old. We wanted him to do his master's in the U.S. As you know, international students have doubled the cost of tuition. So we started doing research and we found that you can actually become a graduate assistant and pay in-state tuition when you're going to school in Texas. So that was kind of like the first horizon that we saw and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to look into this. We actually had folders. We were looking into applying to go to China, Spain, or the United States. And in the United States, we had two options of universities. One of them was Texas A&M University Commerce which is uh, part of the system of Texas A&M, if anyone here listening is familiar with Texas A&M, but it wasn't a very small town. 
So that's kind of where we were at 10 years ago. And, um, and that's when we made the decision to move and pursue that journey. Mm. So when you were talking about, I wanted to go explore, I have a lot of international student listeners. When you wanted to explore, you know, coming to the U.S. as an international student, like you mentioned, the cost is double. How did you make the decision to say, mm, we're going to go to the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I mean, we had both started our undergrad in the U.S. Um, we mm. had got it scholarships. That's when we started dating, actually. We started in Pennsylvania. Happened to be in the same university, even though we're both from Nicaragua. And, and so he graduated from there. That's when we went back to Nicaragua, got married. So we knew the process. We had been there before. We knew what higher ed looked like in terms of um, all those types of opportunities. We then, through research, found the opportunity of graduate assistantship. And then we decided to sell every, everything we had, including our car, which I think at that time was at around 34000 So we used that to be able to cover the expenses throughout the first year. So we knew that if we went, we needed to find that graduate assistantship because we did have enough money to cover expenses, but only for the first year, assuming he had the graduate assistantship. So we already took that leap of faith with a lot of challenges in the way. However, because we knew what we needed to accomplish, we knew the things we needed to do to make that happen. We weren't going there blindsided, right? We knew what you know, networking events we needed to go to to find um, the graduate assistantship um, and all these different things that needed to happen. Wow. Okay, so you have family, you're from Nicaragua, you got your undergrad here, went back to Nicaragua, and you're like, hmm, we're going to go back to America again. And what made you stay here? Other than, of course, your children are here, right? But what made you guys say, hmm, we're going to stay here? That is a great question. So my husband and I, when we left, we had no intention of staying here. We actually wanted to just complete the master's degree and go back to Nicaragua because that's, you know, where we have our family, um, where we grew up, where we know everyone, um, our family our bit, have businesses, and so we there was an involvement there. However, um, I had yet not completed my undergrad. So I knew I wanted to stay a little longer just for me to be able to complete the undergrad, but I didn't want to stay without my family, obviously. So there were certain things that needed to happen for me to be able to complete my undergrad. Once my husband graduated with his master's, he then got a job offer at the university where we were studying. Now, there's, a, there's an interesting point here. There's different ways in which you can achieve a working visa. And when you apply for a working visa, there's a thing called the lottery, right? When you're working with um, companies in corporate America, a number of people will be allowed to be granted that lottery for a working visa. This is very limited, and there's really no, like, secret sauce to getting it. It is a lottery. However, where you, when you are working with higher ed institutions or public entities, you're not part of the lottery, lottery visa. So once you apply, most likely you're going to get it if they approve you, right? So we stayed in and we applied. We got approved. And now I shifted my type of visa from a dependent visa, which didn't allow me to work or study for the year that my husband was doing his master's, onto a, a student visa. So I went back to my country, went to the American embassy, got my student visa, and came back. So that was the first step to us staying, him getting that job offer. And for the next, I think it was like seven or six years, he started growing within the university, eventually becoming an executive director. And during that time, I uh, took advantage of being able to study. So I 
went into school, did my undergrad, completed it, magna cum laude with seven scholarships, um, was able to find ways in which opportunities out there for, you know, the scholarships would help me stay in school, but also, for example, became president of the student board of the cafeteria, which covered meal expenses. So now as a mom, I didn't have to be cooking. And then I went on to do my master's after that, also as a graduate assistant. And then, you know, after that, we were able to, because of the research my husband was doing, he applied to a type of green card that is based on how you're impacting the country. He was actually part of competency-based education, which is basically allowing adult learners to graduate faster. And so if you are an adult learner or an adult, you know, somebody who has been in the workforce for a long time listening to this podcast, look into competency-based education because essentially it's a new program that universities are adopting to help people who have a lot of experience in the work field test out faster and graduate faster so that they can then get degrees and grow professionally, right? So my husband was part of the leading team in the university propelling this type of education and he was talking, um, you know, in Congress, he was doing all these types of things. So because of that work, he was able to then apply to a type of green card that then allowed me to also possess the, the residency. That was about seven years after. So it took a while to get there, but it's just uh, perseverance. Like, this is what I want. This is where we're going to get it. And we're going to find a way to do it. Thank you for sharing the, I didn't know anything about the competency-based um, type of green card that students can actually get in. Because usually I always see like student visa, but I really have not, experienced it so i have no experience on how to get into the united states how to stay into the united states if you wanted to in terms of you know i only know sponsorship that's pretty much it but a lot of companies nowadays don't really sponsor unless you're in it right uh yeah so that can be difficult and let me clarify the competency-based education are degrees that universities are propelling to help adult learners graduate faster But it's not a type of visa. That was just my husband applied to a special green card because of the work he was doing in competency based. Ah, okay. So it's, it's, there's still a lot because he's doing a lot for that. And that's the reason why he got into it. I see. That's awesome. I love international student conversation because a lot of my listeners are international. So this is actually very helpful for them. Now, take me back to, you know, now that you're actually being a student, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're here. What made you guys start your business? So now I have my residency. I graduated from my master's. Um, I had work experience. I had been working in higher ed in a couple of different things as a student worker, um, as a graduate assistant, and then for a year with my OPT. So I had some experience there working within digital marketing. I knew I always wanted to be a business owner. That, that was a, no doubt in my mind. What I wanted to know was, what type of business, right? And one of the reasons I remember vividly, I think I was like seven months pregnant because I did my master's after having my second child. My mom thinks I'm crazy, but. And so I remember sitting there and I got sick. I had like the flu. This was previous to COVID. And I messaged my, my boss and I said, hey, you know, I'm sick. Do you think I could stay home today and I'll work from home? Everything I was doing could be done from home. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, Policy is you can't work from home. And in that moment, I realized, like, okay, first of all, that didn't make any sense if everything I could do could be accomplished from home. And then second, 
And like I said, this was previous to COVID, so I did see a lot of companies starting to change that. I wanted to be able to, in the future, if my son has, you know, an audition or something in school, I wanted to have that flexibility. And so then I decided to become a business owner to create that flexibility within my schedule because for me, it was more important to be a mom than to be a working professional. So how can I create that, you know, balance? Because at the same time, I also wanted to be working. I think what I have learned is that I don't only want that for me. I want that for people who are working with me too, because that flexibility shouldn't be unique to just you becoming a business owner. That's actually amazing. My husband's been working from home for 15 years. And so when I get so frustrated, I used to work on ground. Downtown San Diego parking is real okay you cannot find parking it's stressful going to the freeway it takes me about an hour to get there and I can't find parking and then you're like wow I have two minutes to run in the fifth floor of that building right now not gonna make it right and I'm always late I'm always stressed out by the time I'm started teaching I'm already irritated and if the students ask me questions I'm like give me five minutes to gather myself because you don't want to hear what I have to say right now and I didn't want that Right. And so I'm like, okay, I don't want to do education. So I'm just going to do commercial banking. I did a lot of corporate world in the banking industry and insurance industry, property and casualty. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Then I did marketing and then I did account management, you know, and I was, I feel like I was only making money for people who don't even appreciate my effort. And then they give you, you know, lack of self-worth when you're doing something and it's not good enough. Like you said, it's just not flexible enough. Right. But What kind of skills or traits do you feel are like the most important when you start to think, I want flexibility, I want to create a business? Because creating a business is not easy. Absolutely. I think number one is organization. You have to be organized. When people are always fantasizing on the idea of a flexible schedule. And so a lot of people will jump into entrepreneurship because that sounds so enticing to be working from the beach. But when you're an entrepreneur, first of all, you're the person that needs to answer all the questions. All the questions come back to you. And you need to have the answers. And if you don't have them, you need to figure them out. The second thing is that because you are building your business, if you don't set a schedule, if you're not organized, even on the little things, you will not get to where you want to be because then there's no structure, right? And and that's just kind of like the first step, being organized in little ways, like having your calendar match what you're going to actually intentionally work on in the day, having like notes where you know the things you want to accomplish, and then setting those goals. So similar to like the KPIs that you need to build in your business, right? You also need to do it in your personal life. And I think um, a lot of times we... People talk about entrepreneurship as this fun experience that you get to do whatever you want, but nobody talks about the things that you need to have in place in order to be able to to grow, to be an entrepreneur, and to actually accomplish goals. Yeah, and I wanted to go back a little bit when it comes to that and tie into entrepreneurship. The conversation of being an international student, I remember my Nigerian lawyer student who came here for a master's as a student visa and she said you know when my dad died during COVID I couldn't go home and I had a mental breakdown have you ever had that experience as an international student knowing that you had no family here I have had it I mean the journey of coming here deciding to stay here and going through all the legal processes 
is draining mentally. It is, it is a decision you make and an emotional journey you go through when you make that decision that you have no idea you're about to get into. And people don't talk about it. There's not enough information about that emotional roller coaster. I was very afraid that any of my grandparents could pass away and I wouldn't be able to go. Even in, a, in part of that journey, I, I went in through a family situation and I also couldn't leave, right? Fortunately to me, my family members had visas so they could come visit me often. And so I kept seeing them. But for example, my, my daughter was born in 2017. We are right now in that process of transitioning from graduating, going into my master's, and then applying for the residency. So for the next five years, my daughter didn't ever meet my grandfather who passed away because we couldn't leave the country and he was too old to come, right? He passed away last year. This year, we were able to go to Nicaragua for the first time. She was able, she was born here in Dallas, so she was able to, like, see everything, you know, actually get to know my family that had not yet visited us, and that was really emotional for me because for a very long time, she had this connection that didn't know what it was because she had never been to the country that we loved, right? And and we loved the United States just as much, so it's, it's very conflictive because she feels like from both places, right? So I think that was very hard, the idea of her not ever being to this country that we talk about all the time. My son, last time he was there, he had been three years old, and he was now 10. So it was even more emotional to see him because he remembered some things. But when we got into that airplane, like he even he was so excited. And now he just he has all these memories to connect back to. And the reason we had not been able to go because was because of all this immigration process, right? And just to add to that story, I remember in 2016, we were doing the transition from when my husband graduated from his master's to being hired by the university. And there was something in the paperwork that was submitted and, and was incorrect. And so we got a letter that the, the visa had not been approved. And in that moment, I was six months away from graduating with my undergrad. And it was, a, it was just terrifying because we were like, what do we do? He's gonna have to go back, right? I need to finish my undergrad. Like, are we going to live separate for six months? What do we do here? Um, fortunately, the documents were submitted again, and this time everything that was asked was submitted. But again, that was out of our hands because we were not the party submitting everything. We, we were in the hands of whoever was handling our immigration process, right? So. Wow. I'm trying to put myself in there pregnant, and that's going to be so scary. It's funny when you put a smile on my face and you're like, my mom thinks I'm crazy. Yeah, my mom thinks I'm crazy too. <laughs> um, I actually, you know, I didn't go for my master's right away. When I did my undergrad, I actually did a double double dip in, meaning like if I wanted to get my master's, it's going to be shortened because during my undergrad, I had double major and a minor. And my minor, I took master's classes during my minor because my grade was so high that the president said, okay, you can do it. Um, so yeah. I did that. And it helped because when I did get my master's, I got pregnant in the middle of that with my second child. And I remember my classmates would, they're so scared of like doing presentation. I'm good at presentation, but I was pregnant and I'm tired all the time. So yeah. they would feed me. They can't give me like coffee because I was pregnant and I get jittery, but they would feed me like bananas and all this fruits just to wake me up. So it, when it's presentation time, they would wake me like, CJ, wake up. It's time to present. I'm like, okay, do I have a banana real quick? You know? And so I remember being pregnant and then I gave birth to her, I think November 12th. And then I went back for my doctorate January. 
and I had a small child. So I, I know how that feels like that excitement, you know, and I'm heck, I'm still in school to get my second master's right now. So I'm still a student. <laughs> I will forever be a student. But international student, I think just really goes to a different experience than most of us that takes we take everything for granted in this country. I wanted to pivot a little bit on this conversation. I can't prove it. But from everybody that I have talked to, including myself, I wasn't born here. I'm born in the Philippines. I couldn't speak English when I came here when I was 13. I feel like, okay, and you can, you can chime in. I feel like the people who are immigrant, like you and I, when we come to this country, somehow feel like we are more motivated to do better for our life than the people who are actually in here. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's... You know, it's a good observation. I, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily compare it to people who are here. But what I will tell you is that, um, and I forgot to mention this, during the time that we were going through our residency, there was a political uplift in my country, mm. a tiny kind of civil war happening. And I think that in countries like, like mine, and I'm not sure about the history of the political history of yours, the economic uncertainty, the limitation of growth because of all these different lack of resources creates this need for us to be more appreciative. It's kind of like when you mm. don't have hot water to shower. And, you know, for me particularly, I grew up in a very uh, blessed family where we were not scarce in resources. But... I still would see it. I would go to the supermarket and when we were in the car, we would see kids in the streets. And that type of, you know, that type of interaction with a different type of reality has your mind thinking in a different way. And to me, my heart is, I am here. I have the opportunity to grow. I see all these, you know, all of these different ways in which you can make things happen. There's no way that I can't, I mean, how can I not share this with the world, the way I did things, the way that others can do it too? I think it's kind of like that, right? When you, when you cannot, when you always shower with warm water, you don't know what it is or you forget what it is to have only cold water to shower with, right? And so I think that's a big part of it. And to me, it's a blessing and a curse of the United States because they have all of these resources, all of these beautiful opportunities that we get numb to understanding what it is to really not have those opportunity and resources. And it also makes us a little lazy because then we have all of this at the, you know, at our hands. The only thing that's required is hard work, but you could also live a comfortable life without having to work that hard. And so to me, it's just, um, and it does exist here too, right? Because there are a lot of people who go through poverty and have all these lack of resources. The difference to me, because I have seen poverty in, in both countries, is that you can find the resources and the help in countries like the United States. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of that in countries like Nicaragua. Or right? Philippines. You may want it, yeah. but it, it's not there. You're right. I just laugh at them when they're like, oh my God, California, we're going to have a rolling blackout. And I just laugh because it's it's not funny to people, but I get in my head when I was little. I remember my grandmother sends me to this family in the mountains. There is no electricity, okay? They, they use rocks and coal and some wood, I think, to cook rice. And their house, actually, it's just a stick with 
coconut leaves on top. So when it rains, you see holes and water coming in and they literally is on the dirt when they're leave, living. And I actually was on the top. They put some top in there and a little cushion. And that's how I was living. And my grandma's like, you need to be able to survive. If you survive this in this summer, then you'll survive anywhere in the world. And I didn't get it at that point. Point, I was screaming, yelling. I'm like, I need my nanny and my driver. My, my grandma's like, no, <laughs> you're going to live this way and you're going to survive. And I was yelling and screaming. But now I, now that I'm older, I appreciated it because whatever hardship that I'm having in the United States, it's nothing compared to those people. No slippers, no food, n- not able to eat. You know, people always think it's just in Africa. It's not. It's in, in, in third world countries as well. Philippines is still considered a third world country. Uh, they are better now, but there's some places where it's just crazy. And United States, especially here in San Diego, we have a lot of homeless people. We have a lot of homeless people and government is injecting money. But where is that money? They're not getting help that they need. Mental, financial, basic necessity like food, right? But it's just, it's kind of hard to see. But I feel like the people who are coming out of this country, like you said, we appreciate more. And I think we work harder because we don't want to be in that situation. But as far as your business and you, you know, student and in business, now that you're a business owner, what can you share being an entrepreneur when someone is trying to say, okay, now you need to be organized, but what else do you think to continue that? Like when sometimes there's days where you're like, I'm just tired. I don't want to continue this. Give me an, a day to like recuperate. What are your thoughts on like, how do you keep moving? I think finding a mentor or someone that can guide you through it is very important for me. A big mentor in my life has been my husband. So we you know, it's not going to be easy all the time. In fact, most of the time, will be, it will be hard. And when you have big dreams, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. You know, you're if you grow a business, you're no longer thinking about how you can impact your own life. You're also impacting everyone that works with you. And so for me, I, I, I rely on my husband a lot emotionally, you know, through the through the process, but I also like to sit down and plan and having that plan and structure really allows me to identify, okay, we're walking in the path that's going to get us there, right? When I was doing my master's and I had my two kids, I remember my day was sleeping at 12, 12 a.m. and then waking up and working and then because I was a graduate assistant and then going to class and then doing homework I was reading about 60 pages a day in order to complete all the work that was needed and I remember for a time it felt so monotonous that it felt like I was just stuck in this circle so I would like lean back and think about okay but where is this going to help me go right and and what why am I doing this for what do I want to accomplish here and every time just like I'm a very positive person, so I like to think positively. So even the little bad things that happen, I'm like, okay, what's the positive outcome out of this? To me, it's a mental game. you got to have the mindset to put yourself back together, to think in a positive way, even in the worst thing that can happen to you. I like that positivity because sometimes people you just, it's just overwhelming, right? There's just a lot of things that are overwhelming. But what about your career that inspires you to stay? I'm going to choose being an entrepreneur. Oh, that's easy. That's everyone I work with. I mean, we now, you know, we scaled. So I'm running two businesses at the time. I have my digital marketing agency, which is part of a franchise, Height. Um, And we now have 22 locations. I'm the owner in Dallas. And there I have a smaller team, but working with them really propels me and working with my clients, like being able to work with an entrepreneur 
or a business owner that tells me I want to grow my business and being able to help that person grow their business by getting them on Google, by finding them people that are interested, that energizes me. And on the other side, I also co-founded one of our departments at Hype, which is the creative department. Um, and in there, I lead 22 team members. And that just fills my heart. The idea of working with people, which by the way, um, our headquarters are in Nicaragua. So overall, we have 200 employees in Hype. 22 of those are in our creative department. And I just love working with them and helping them craft ideas, innovative solutions to our team in Dallas for the services that we offer. So I think it's a combination between the people I work with, working with entrepreneurs just makes me excited, and the people I work with. That's awesome. Sharing your story and just saying, hey, guys, we could do this. If I can do it, you can do it, right? What do you think leaders, business leaders out there to do to promote success in their teams, especially you have experience in teams? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is that people who are not successful in what they're doing on their work could be that they're not doing what they should be doing. We all have something we're good at. We just need to find what it is. And I think as business owners or as entrepreneurs, a big responsibility we have is helping the team members that are working for us find those things where they can really shine. I think that when somebody is not coming up as a, you know, having a good report with their, you know, manager or whatever that looks like, a big part of it is a combination between leadership, how are we mentoring them and guiding them, and also their abilities. Are they really fulfilling jobs or tasks that resemble what they're good at? And if they're not, can we find what they're good at, right? Um, so we believe that we can actually help people find what they're good at and shift what they should be doing because in reality, higher ed, education system, they don't teach us that sit down and think on the job you want to have. What are you going to be doing 24-7 for the rest of your life? We don't think that way. We pick, oh, I'm going to do a law, I'm going to be a lawyer, so I'm going to study to be a lawyer. But do you actually know what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And so if that role on a day-to-day -day basis really resonates with what you love doing, then pursue being a lawyer. Instead of thinking back from being a, you know, a, a person in society working to then the role that the education that you're going to select, we think on the education and then think on the job we want to get. We should be thinking about that backwards. And I think as an entrepreneur, we have also the responsibility to help our team members be able to identify where they can be their best. Yeah. This is why I became an entrepreneur. I started my business and forming an LLC. The reason being is I'm frustrated when I'm, I've been teaching for 10 years and I see a lot of students. Uh, we're talking about employability, like what you said. You're in education. You learn a lot about theories. You learn and you're good at multiple choice and essays, right? And writing paper and APA 7th. But when it comes to work, you lack the skills of a lot of things that most people do. Like, how do you get along with your coworkers? How do you manage your boss? How do you even do critical thinking? And what does a growth mindset look like? And what is to be compassionately? I, I mean, the list just goes on, right? And so I see that there's a gap between education and employability within the work is the skills that you get. A lot of IT, they get all the technical. They're so good at it. 
but communicating what they're trying to do for the business, it's so hard for them to get it pulled out. And then they get frustrated. I know because I live with one. Uh, my husband is an architect and solutions architect for federal government and, you know, AWS. And it's, it's, it took a while to get there. And I think for me and my business is I wanted to get that opportunity gap. Like what you said, you should be thinking backwards, but because they're already in there and there's are already working adults who's just having a hard time. They have the education. Now they're like, what do I do with this at work? I, I don't see any class for this. Right. And even when you do a class, it's just theory. So yeah. my thing is I want to give you a workshop to see what does grit mean? What is emotional intelligence? What does that look like at work? And so I've created this course right now that I'm trying to sell because that's how I feel like employability and, and education is lacking. So I'm glad that you actually said that. But as a business leader, right, to end the conversation, like what do you think people should do when you're thinking of leading your team and now you're an entrepreneur? How do you scale your business? Mm. So I love that you asked that question because one thing that I always mention is business owners begin their business with this hope of growing and the fear, what if I don't grow, right? What if I don't create a stable revenue for me? What if I'm quitting my job where I'm making more than 100000 a year and now I have to build this up to really replacing that, right? However, I think that the bigger conversation that never happens is what if you do grow? Do you have the systems in place for when you do grow? Do you have the ability to retain quality for when you do grow? Do you have the ability to hire, retain talent, you know? And so I think that that is all about the mindset, strategizing and planning and processes in a business. Um, a lot of the things that people don't consider because they're not thinking about when I sell my business, when I retire, what happens if my wife gets sick or if I get sick or if my kids, you know, any, any, anything like that. So they're not building processes in place. And I think that's the biggest part of growth. Um, I think the mindset of thinking about growth before you grow is how it should be done when you're starting a business. And that includes everything from handling the people you work with to the quality for your customers. Hmm. Good thing to, to think about. Anybody's listening in there being an entrepreneur. Now, last question, actually second to the last question. When you actually took the leap and said, I'm going to have a business, was there any doubt in your mind that you would scale up or you just said, I'm committed, I'm going to do it? Like for some people who have a full time job, like you said, leaving a hundred thousand dollar job and then now to building it from the ground up, literally zero. How do you make that leap? Um, well, for me, it was a little different because I knew I wanted to become a business owner eventually. So I started working on different things that could help me propel when I decide to take the leap. For example, when I was doing my undergrad, I would print out business cards and I would go to farmer's markets and I would introduce myself. And to me, that was practicing networking because I knew when I went into a networking, you know, a chamber event or anything like that, I didn't want that to be the first time that I try introducing to people, introducing myself to people. So I started intentionally making myself do things that would help me for when I wanted to be become or for when I made the decision to become a business owner. I think that it's all about that planning stage, right? And identifying, but it has to do with so many different factors, such as the industry you're going to go into. Is there an investment that you need to make initially? Are you going to be in debt if you start that business? For me, particularly, I was going into digital marketing where I didn't need to make an initial investment, so I wouldn't be losing any money. 
Um, and so I started with a, with a model that allowed me to scale because I didn't have any debt, right? And so everything that I started to do went into my savings, which then allowed me to invest in myself to keep growing. I think there's two sections to the answer of that question. The first one is having a plan in place and making sure that you're not going in negative, right? And again, that depends on the industry that you're going to be serving. If you're going to open a restaurant, most likely you're going to have, you know, <laughs> a debt there. And the second one is once you do start seeing that income come, make sure that you have a plan, like reinvest it in yourself or your business, whether that looks into like join a mastermind, uh, find a place where you can connect with other entrepreneurs, especially as um, a person coming from a third world country. We don't, we're not used to reinvesting in things where we feel like it's a waste of money. $5,000 in a mastermind, that's crazy. Where's my return on investment, you know? The return on investment, it's a little bit more substantial in the future, and you need to be okay with making those big leaps to become bigger. Awesome. Thank you for that thought. That's really cool. Now, let's end with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and I ask a lot of people this. Change begins within you. Use compassion to change your world and ultimately our world. Tatiana, how do you hope to change the world? I had a realization about a year ago. I had accomplished the titles that I thought were important, leading a company, having a, you know team members. I realized that what makes me happy is to help people. I want to become a philanthropist. And I want to be able to find ways in which I can help others live their dreams. So at Hype, we actually have a thing called the commitment, which is a commitment that we decide to go through and live by. Actually, I have it right here in my office. My commitment when I started my business was to serve others. It has now evolved into investing in people so they can live their dreams. I think that can be accomplished through in monetary investment. It can be accomplished through mentorship. There's different ways in which I can help people find that path for them, whether it is within entrepreneurship or going back to school. Um, right now, my husband and I are launching a scholarship for international students for the university where him and I graduated from here in Texas. So that's one step towards that. But I believe that my future um, includes many more steps towards allowing people to find ways to get to those goals like my husband and I did. That's amazing. I wish you the best because that is actually good. And I, I feel so good right now knowing that there's people out there who are like-minded like me who wants to change the world for better for our kids. We need more compassionate people. We need people who have good intention and it's not all about the money because once you get the money, now what, right? What are you actually doing for the world rather than just looking for yourself? So I can rest, rest assured that one person out there as well is looking out for the world to give back. Thank you so much today for our conversation and our time. I appreciate you very much. But I wanted to also highlight your company, Height. How do you spell that? H-I-T-E. And what do you guys exactly do? Yeah, we do digital marketing. We have free consultations for any type of business owner. I particularly work with higher ed institutions. I work with nonprofits and I work with uh, people running for office and we do campaigns. Basically, we make sure that there's a return on investment. So we quantify your investment in digital marketing. And anytime you receive a lead, we um, notify you and you get a dashboard where you can actually see which of those leads turned into sales. But we also do anything from branding, website. Uh, we have a consultative approach to it to make sure that you are actually, you know, having a big scope of what's a strategy in digital marketing. 
Awesome. And what, how, if they wanted to reach you, what would be that? Is there an email or is there a website? Yeah, we have a website. It's called heightdigital.com and then backslash Dallas. They can reach me on Instagram, Tatiana Chamorro. Um, they can look me up on LinkedIn. I am literally almost anywhere that you can search. And there's also a link where you can schedule a free consultation with me. It's uh, heightdigital.com slash Tatiana. And yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua at leveluppbydocleland.com. Lua, L-U-A-B-Y-D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D.com. It's open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.